All right. Hey, what's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Rescuing Churches, where it is always a great adventure discussing church revitalization and pastoral life. Learn more at 614ministries.org. My name is Josh. That's my dad, Stan. Good afternoon and hello, everybody. Silent partner Mike, here, man in the knobs at Mission Control, making sure everything stays in proper synchronous orbit over there. We want to thank Kim for his faithfulness in doing that every Absolutely. week so that we can bring this show to you without explosions and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> That's right. Or sounding like we're just talking to each other in a can through 10 cans in a string, which is pretty much what we do anyway. Yeah. And speaking of you, all of our listeners, we want to thank you as well for listening to these and downloading all of our episodes, sharing them, sharing them on social media and with your friends. We wouldn't even be able to do any of this without you over 5,000 downloads. I don't know. Somewhere like in there. That. Yeah. I don't get paid to keep up with the numbers. So, okay. As I was looking at this topic that you want to talk about today, I was thinking that it was really interesting because I guess just being a pastor's kid for as long as I have, you know, you wouldn't really think of pastors as being guys who are afraid of anything, right? Like you guys just don't get scared of stuff at all. Like you're just fearless, superhuman people yeah. that get up on stage and yeah, the introverts in us are yeah. scared of the congregation right. every Sunday. So, well, but you guys I'm scared of little old ladies. So I've been, I've been pinched by little ladies here that scare me. So I can identify with that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hi, and welcome to Rescuing Churches. If you love pastoral life, ministry, and church revitalization, this is a great place to join the discussion about why the local church matters, how we can help the ones that are in decline, and be an encouragement to their pastors along the way. We'll even get to hear stories from special guests about what God is doing in the church at large. This show is hosted by two guys who serve the local church and is for everyone within the local church. Thanks for tuning in today. Let's go. So you're actually telling me, I mean, I just want to make sure I get this straight, that pastors are actually real human beings with like actual emotions. They're actual. Not, yeah. Yeah. They're, they don't, they're not just fearless, walking around completely fearless. Cause I was under the impression you guys just had this all aced and mastered and, <laughs> right. you know, you not, you right. never have any problems or never have yeah. to, you yeah. know, bear the weight of ministry. Yeah. Sometime or, we're going to do a podcast on that people think that and never check on pastors because that is a problem in in churches where a pastor's been there a long time. I people, think I just riled up an idea inside pe of you. People don't and, check on the pastor because he mm, seems to be sort of superhuman, ooh, okay, everything's ooh. fine. So wow. upcoming podcast. I'm glad I complimented the audience a little while ago because now the audience is in trouble. So, <laughs> all right. So in the next podcast, you guys are all in trouble for how you treat your pastor. Uh, I got, the, the audience is mostly pastors, so they're the ones not being checked on. That's true, I guess. Yeah. All right, so to kick this off, just by way of introducing it, tell me a little bit about this fear of diversity and gifts, if you guys listening are looking at the title. For the sake of the audience, let's maybe define or elaborate on what you mean by specific types of diversity that you're referring to. Yeah, and this is probably more in a small church setting, uh, more applicable than anything. In medium size and larger churches, you're not going to have some of the concepts we're talking about here, but since most of our folks are small church settings, there's a power struggle in, in a 
at least in my mind for years, and many of the pastors I've talked with experienced the exact same thing, where you're seeking to protect the message and the types of teaching and the style of teaching. You're seeking to protect your flock, which is small, 20, 30, 40 people, and keep them very healthy and a very good teaching, sound teaching, uh, clear teaching, safe teaching, you know, nothing outside the parameters and all that. And because those teaching time, you're limited as a pastor in how many times you can teach. You know, you got your Sunday morning block, which is really the least effective time. You got maybe a Wednesday night, which is more of a small group, and then Sunday nights, a small group as well. You may have, if your church hasn't canceled its Sunday night services, you may have two services mm-hmm. where you're going to get to have input if you're not teaching a men's small group or whatever, and that would even be a different group. But the idea is you have very limited time to talk to them, so you want to do a lot of the talking and teaching, and you want to control the narratives and protect the information. And your brain gets in that gear of, it's not a pride thing as much as just you get in this gear of, I know what we need to do and I know how to help and I know where we're going. And I get this. And this God's placed this church on my heart. These are my sheep, my people, you know, my things, my stuff. And so, but at some point, if you're not careful as a pastor, you lock in on that to the point that you're afraid. Here's your fear that you're talking about. Oh, yeah. You're afraid to let other input come in even from the, your own flock. And so you're very protective of testimony times. We've talked about this extensively. This is a, a bit of that same taste that we're talking about. But there are people in your church who have creative gifts, uh, teaching gifts, speaking gifts, maybe musical gifts, uh, maybe even just poetry or something. But they've got all kinds of gifts and talents the Lord's given them, and we tend to be a little overprotective at times as pastors. I know I have been um, of not wanting someone to share, not wanting someone to to carry a part of a service or even uh, teach in a service for right. me because I'm not sure where they're coming from, and, and they don't have the same background I have. They weren't trained at the same school I was. They, I don't know. You know, They're coming from a whole different place, and so there's this – fear that kind of wells up and when you're giving up the pulpit time or the the group times it's just hard um and we and, talked about the unpredictability aspect of that before too right that's a big because you guys as pastors fear that it's the unpredictability yeah. of i don't know where this is going to go if i put this person in there to give a testimony or this person in there to even even share a talent that they have you know Correct. they've only done this once or twice and it wasn't at our church it was somewhere else and i heard a rumor that it went horrible and terrible that's there, right they've that's grown right. a little bit since then so yeah. maybe we can plug them in yeah. <laughs> yeah and and we're trying to we're trying to keep the image of our church healthy and strong right we're trying to keep everything sort of look in a certain way but we're also trying not to be all about image <laughs> correct Correct. And the delicate balancing. Act. It's the, that's exactly what I was trying to, to emphasize is there's this, there's this balance where you've been praying for hours and working for hours to feed your flock. Mm-hmm. And it feels like at times you're the only one really able to do that. But I want to challenge pastors that that's a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous place for them in their minds. Um, we need to be able to diversify from within the fold that God sends us. If I read the New Testament correctly, 
God sent, God and adds. As, and, it, and as a pastor, we're hoping that you have. <laughs> yeah, I'll just like point thank, that out. Thank you. So God sent, yeah, I've got a little bit of history doing that. So, but God sends people to your church. So he, it, the Lord adds to the number of the church. We read that crystal clear in the scriptures. Absolutely. So if, unless we're doing a man growth thing, we're growing by some sort of, you know, man-made problem situation that's not a good plan man-made program right but if we're letting the lord do it because we're discipling well we're encouraging we're building building up one another in the faith and we're strengthening and god's sending people for more people for us to care for and the people within our church to be caring for them if all that's happening effectively then god's adding to the number of the church well the people he sends us are the people he wants here and the people he wants here he, the Bible says further that he gifts them. They're gifted by him for us. And the gifts that they have, the spiritual gifts that they have are for the local church. They're would, literally for the body. Which would then mean even if those gifts are weird, yeah. it's still okay. Weird, different, be, challenging. Be afraid of yeah, them. weird, different, challenging. And I'm not talking, I'm not, I'm from pretty conservative background, so I'm not talking about you know, forming praise trains that run around the sanctuary. If your church does that, hallelujah, praise God, have fun. <laughs> um, you know, where, where worship gets kind of crazy. I'm not talking about all that stuff, and I'm not not diving into the tongues and interpretations and all that. I'm talking about just allowing the people that come oh, yeah. to your church to actually have a place to speak in services, to exactly to to be able to share what's on their heart, to be able to share in a small group or in a prayer time mm-hmm. and actually turn a prayer time over to them. If you have somebody that's gifted as a uh, intercessor, their, their spiritual gifting leans toward intercessory, intercession, so they're strong prayers, that's not my strength. It's actually one of my weaknesses. So instead of me trying to control that narrative and trying to build around that, I need to, as a pastor, allow the intercessor to become a leader in that. And, you know, I can introduce them slowly, say, right. hey, you know, at prayer meeting tonight, I'd like to give you the, you know, 10 minutes to talk about this, and then we're going to do our regular prayer service. At prayer meeting tonight, I'd like you to just lead in prayer for this. Right. And then later I can just say, how about at prayer meeting, you pray, yep. you lead, I'll watch. Do this yes. do the slow introduction thing and then sure. yeah, kind of build it over time. But that, but there's a lot of fear that goes with all of this and, and pastors. And I guess I, I wanted us to have at least a chance in a short podcast to say we need to get over our fears of that stuff. And when we talked about it before with like testimonies and stuff, there's a control factor. You know, you mm-hmm. want it so hard to control what's happening oh, that, yeah. that you're afraid to let something that you might not be able to control happen. So it's not just the techie guys who are OCD. There's yeah. OCD pastors Could out be. there, too. Could be. I'm yep. just picking up all kinds of things today Maybe on just the radar. So, um, but yeah, the, the uh, you know, you're just not sure if a person's young in their faith. Yep. But they're gifted. To, their spiritual giftings are there. Oh, yeah. And they need training and discipleship. But you don't need to keep them in a a, a, a box like a nursery style box, um, so, so they're so they're not actually able to use their gift in any you know effective way or feel like they're being used, right? Um, which is which is challenging. But I think as pastors, I think one of the challenges I've had over the years is I didn't work hard enough to let people get their gifts out. And right. even challenging, I'm thinking of some men at our church that used to go here years ago, challenging them to get their gifts understood and then on the table with us. And let me put you to work with that. You could try this, try that. You know, if you're an administrator, let's, 
let's get you administrating some things, organizing, repairing, fixing some of this stuff. Let's, you know, if you have a craftsmanship gift, I'm going to put you in play with that. Um, you know, if your gift is encouragement or you have a gift of mercy, you know, you're going to the hospitals with me to the point that eventually I can send you to the hospital for me, especially if I'm out of town or something's happening, I can just send you and you can take care of it. Um, but I think as pastors, we tend to, in a small church setting, the church wants us to be everything anyway. Oh yeah. But that really is one of our complaints. We get together as pastors in a little room. You've been in mm-hmm. some of those rooms now with me. Yes, I have. When we get together, one of the problems is, man, the church thinks I'm supposed to do everything for them. Exactly. Well, if they're thinking that, we gotta un we gotta repair that That's to the point. Where, yeah, and we gotta teach them. It's really the church that is the ministry to the flock. Exactly. And we minister to one another. So somebody in the church that has high mercy gift or a high hosting gift, we put them in place doing those things when we need those things. And it's not just the pastor and his wife or, you know, a few key leaders in the church that do it. It's everybody. And Mm -hmm. the lady that just joined the church a month ago can be leading some of that. You know, or the guy can be leading some of that if we will put them into play to do that. Because God's given us this diversity of gifts within our church. And the bad part is, as a pastor, sometimes we just let the pastor be the centerpiece of the whole thing. Mm. And his strengths and his personality and his giftings are the only thing now if he has a music guy alongside him there's a music minister that's an assistant right to that part-time guy or even just a free music guy at a small church the music guy gets to talk publicly um, about the song and what the lord's doing in his life the pastor gets to talk publicly about the word of god and the song that the music guy just played and we're done the two people had input on sunday well and sometimes the danger in those churches and we've alluded to this in previous podcasts and in discussions with pastors at churches that we've worked with is that in some of those churches, the the danger there is is it becomes a personality-driven church where it's all about the personality of it's, that It's pastor. locked into just two personalities yeah, at yeah, the most. Yeah. It's locked into that one guy. Yeah. And it's all about him instead of the uh, the body. And if, if you don't have the, the body itself being ministers, you know. Right. Um, it's, it's, it, it's really, it's all about him. It's like when people think of that church, mm-hmm. they immediately think of that, that guy and his speaking talents and abilities and right. that music guy and his singing abilities. Right. And, and if another it's if very, it, very persona driven. Yeah. But if, if you, if as a pastor, you're starting to develop this, are you beginning to understand what I'm saying? You want to develop this idea that you're going to figure out a way to get several people from your church plugged into the service itself. Actually, the service, not just into serving, but into the service. Like I want Mr. So-and-so or Miss So-and-so who shared a story with me. I want you to share that story to everybody. Exactly. You know, now you you know their background. This person's just been saved. They came out of a, you know, a, a prosperity gospel church, let's say, which we would frown upon. And, and they're pretty new to our faith. So coming in, when they start sharing something, they may have a whisper of that prosperity gospel in what they're saying, right? It may, yep. it may be laced with some of that still because they're still not, they haven't sat under sound or teaching for that time. So as a pastor, you go, well, I can't have that. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. You can, you can tell the church as they finish up, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I want to 
remind y'all is the prosperity gospel is X, Y, Z, not, you know, not the gospel, not the pure gospel, but it's so exciting that this person has found real faith and real, you know, truth and what their testimony is. Then you enforce that, yep. you know? So again, you, you can, you should have a number of your people investing in your main service. I think the more people you can get talking and plugging into your main service in little snippets, I've been trying to think through this myself is, is when I give a sermon illustration and I've been here 22 years. So like this morning when I preached, I used three illustrations, three stories that I've used. Anybody's been here a long time. Silent partners heard, heard them. You've heard every one of them. You've been with me since you were born. So, but the stories are the same stories. Oh yeah. But when church was over, I had three people come up and tell me a similar story, how, how it connected with them. Well, I used to have a, car like this and yeah just last week i was praying about this and this Mm -hmm. this reminded me of that and i'm thinking now i need to take away i need to have that person be able to take that truth that they shared and plug it into another service down the road maybe even next week's because we're on the same topic next week but you know i'm saying i'm trying to figure out how to get people from the church talking to the church in our main service so it's not just me and and there's so many fears of, of that that you have to overcome. You know, what if what if somebody down the road, what if what if your community starts saying, well, you know, they just let anybody teach there. You know, they'll just let anybody talk. Right. Well, yeah. Actually, anybody in our church, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. that's the people that God sent us. Exactly. You know, um, what, what if they say, well, you know, that. I heard somebody talk there one time and they sounded like they were from the, you know, this bad doctrine. Prosperity gospel would be a good example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, I'm wor- I'm trying to, pro- in, in my mind, I'm trying to protect something I really can't protect anyway. Exactly. How the community is viewing some of this. Now, everything's online. We, we put our services out there online. We have podcast. So it's, there's an audio recording of every service. And if everything works right, uh, you know, our silent partner and a handful of others make us, we launch ours on Facebook live. Right. And then that's actually archived. If I realize, if I understand that we archive those. Um, so you, so you can see them all. Um, so there's a chance you're going to have somebody say something wrong and it be misunderstood. I mean, there's a good chance of that down the road, but I think the positive of getting more people involved so that everyone feels ownership to the body and responsibility to the body, and then everyone's able to give encouragement to the body. See, the body's supposed to build itself up like that. I'm supposed to encourage you, and you're supposed to encourage me. What most churches are, I think, in my mind, how most of them function, I'd love to get some feedback on this when you guys listening. Um, but what most churches are is the pastor is expected to encourage you on Sunday and then you should go home and come back Sunday or Wednesday and get some more encouragement. Yep. See if it all happens yeah, all over again. Right. Right. And so I don't have to come prepared to do anything as a, as a person in the church, but I think church members should come expecting to give, not just financially, that'd mm-hmm. be fine, but more importantly to give of themselves to the body of Christ on Sunday, I'm going to contribute by telling my testimony. I'm going to contribute by sharing my answered prayer or asking for prayer about this. And then I'm going to use my gift of intercession to go pray for somebody I know is having a hard time. Uh, I'm going to use my gift of encouragement to come alongside this person that's, that's discouraged this week because we put it out on our social media that they were discouraged. 
let's pray for them. Well, I'm going to meet them at church and plug my gift into that person's life. And I'm going to tell the pastor what I did, which means the pastor at some point is going to probably call on me in service to do that. You know, so, so we're actually helping each other and it's more than one person making it all work. And I think as a pastor, one of the weaknesses I had for a number of years was not getting way more people trying to get as many people as we could plugging in where they need to plug in and helping where they need to help. Now there's a lot of boundaries that you have to be careful with deacons and elders are very qualified men, uh, deaconesses, very qualified people in the service categories of leading the church. Mm-hmm. But in the doing, the everyday doing, and the conversational uh, opportunities in, in services where, as you know, we begin to open up our services now to these conversations, in those parts, we need to let a lot of people just express what God's doing in their life. Exactly. With a lot of freedom, you know, with a lot of freedom. So I think we think we're more fragile than we really are at times. It feels like as a small church, we're fragile when the gates of hell can't prevail against us. If we practice, if we use the resources God's given us, which would be the people he's given us Mm -hmm. and their diversity of gifts. And the people are included in the resources. Well, and their diversity of gifts are included in the resources. Mm -hmm. So, you know, currently at our church, we have a number of evangelists. Um, They're spiritually gifted evangelists. Um, We have a number of mercy showers. We have a number of, people who are gifted at um, benevolence, you know, so so we can really, uh, we're adept at helping homeless, at reaching people far from God by our gifts. Exactly. But I need to expose that on Sunday and let those stories uh, be, be a part of what we do. So I don't know if all that makes sense, but it really is a, a big burden on my heart to get that out there as it should be. Um if God granted the variety of gifts, we need to apply the variety of gifts to the church and use the diversity of personalities, even personalities, you know, the the over-greeting, bubbly personality that's not me. You know, I need to find a way to use that person in yeah, our church. Yeah, the extroverts. Yeah, the extroverts. Exactly. Right. And whatever their temperaments are. So, mm-hmm. um, but I think that keeps your church from being a clique from being just a bunch of people that all dress alike, look alike, sound alike, talk alike. Um, And I think we need to be free to help each other that way. Does that make sense? We'll get some feedback and some emails and see if it does. (laughs) And if if it doesn't, I know where the trash bin on the computer is. Okay. So we'll just just send that away, right? (laughs) Send that away. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rescuing Churches. We hope you found all the content and dialogue helpful and inspiring. I'm Josh. That's Stan, silent partner Mike. We will catch you guys next time. You've been listening to Rescuing Churches, a discussion for the local church and its leaders. This show is brought to you by 614 Ministries. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 614Rebuild and visit us online at 614ministries.org. Also, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Thanks for listening.